I'm enjoying watching the show Poker Face on the Peacock Network, and it stars Natasha Lyonne. And in it, her character has the innate ability to tell when someone is lying about anything, big or small. She uses her ability to solve crimes. She's like Columbo, but a little bit boozy. It's really fun. It's a lot of fun. And when I watch it, I I get a little jealous because I'm like, I wish I had the ability to tell when someone is lying. I mean, everything that's going on in the U.S. House of Representatives, there's so much lying. And unlike the TV show, it's not very entertaining. I've got some explaining to do. Let's get into it. My voice is going to sound different than it usually does. I, I, I know that I have uh, an already deep voice, <laughs> but this week I'm recovering from a bit of a cold and it was all in my throat. Like I had a sore throat and trouble swallowing and I was coughing and it was just, I haven't been sick in a long time. Like I've never had COVID. I've never had pneumonia, the flu, but for some reason just this week was like, here, you're going to get sick. And you're going to feel like crap. And that is exactly what happened. So, but I wanted to come on and record anyway, even though it, um, even though I sound a little bit different, because I love doing this podcast. Ayana Explains It All is the podcast hosted by the Black Muslim, lady lawyer, single mother, born and raised in the hood, and currently living in the suburbs of Northeast Ohio. And Ayana Explains It All is now a one-year-old podcast. Yay, wonderful. Thank you to my wonderful supporters and all of you who continue to listen and encourage me in my journey. I really appreciate it. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I love it, love it, love it, love it. I record here in my house and my kids just let me do my thing. They don't bother me. Ayana Explains It All is available on 12 different streaming platforms. And if you find the Ayana Explains It All Facebook page, or the TikTok page, it's Ayana Explains It All Pod. And on Facebook, I am Ayana Explains It All. There's a link tree in the bio, in the description, that will take you to all of the streaming sites where you can find Ayana Explains It All. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. I also have an Instagram page that's Ayana Explains It All with an underscore between each word. Or you can even find me on Twitter. I don't know why I set up a Twitter page. Like, are people still using Twitter? If you are, um, Ayana Explains It All is at A-E-I-A podcast on Twitter. And there's a link tree in the bio of all of those pages where you can find the streaming sites that Ayana Explains It All is available on. And also you can email me if email is your thing at ayanaexplainsitall at gmail.com. I know a lot of people still aren't emailing unless it's for business purposes, but I would love to receive comments and questions. And you can also subscribe on the different streaming services. You can rate the podcast. You can review it. You can give me your two cents. I accept all criticisms and I love compliments too. I like those, really like those. Those could help out a lot right now. But um, so, yeah, so let's get into it. As I was working on the outline for this episode of Ayana Explains It All, I was watching the 2023 State of the Union address, the, the, the National State of the Union address from President Joe Biden. And um, this it's always a little contentious because you have people from both parties in the room and you have the Speaker of the House sitting behind the president who is sometimes of the same party, but this year... Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House, and so he's not in the same party as the president. But also you have all of these, like, what is he going to say during this? How is it going to go? Are people going to be quiet? Are people going to make a lot of noise? And there was some heckling. There was heckling from the GOP. There were, of course, applause, and there were shouts and, and whatever. But one thing stuck out, and that's making the rounds on the news sites, is an interaction between... Mitt Romney and 
George Santos. Now, you know who Mitt Romney is. He ran an unsuccessful presidential campaign, but now he is the senator from Utah. And George Santos is this guy, this character who is a congressman from New York. But he shouldn't be. But he is. So that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about why this person should not be anywhere near the U.S. House of Representatives and how we allow these things to happen, how we allow characters like him to get into classified spaces, secret spaces, uh, important spaces, how people like that get into rooms they don't belong in just by making up a story. You know, um, and thinking about what I wanted to talk about, I'm, I was, um, so as I'm watching and I'm looking at the interaction between Mitt Romney and George Santos, I'm like, ooh, what are they saying? Because it looked like Mitt Romney was saying something like kind of taking a dig at George Santos and Santos was being smug. And, and so somebody did a bad lip reading of, of what was said and I was laughing at that, but that's not really what happened. Mitt Romney said, I told him that he didn't belong there. And it's true. And, and we all know why. I mean, if you haven't been paying attention, I'm going to outline it for you why he doesn't belong there. But it's the fact that people from his own party are starting to call him out instead of just ignoring it and going, well, that's, you know, this is a game of politics. This is what people do. People are calling him out. And I think that's fantastic. More people, especially in leadership roles, like there are leadership roles in Congress. There's, of course, the Speaker of the House. There are, there's the, the minority leaders who have all, from the Dem Party, who have all said, this guy's a clown, he doesn't belong here. But there's also his political party in New York. They have also called him out and said he needs to resign. He's refusing to resign because he still has friends in Congress. He may have um, stepped away from his committee assignments, but he still has friends there. He still has people who are protecting him. And there are people in the media also who are protecting him. And this is how characters like George Santos continue, not get away with what they've done because we know what they do, but they continue in their scheme. They're allowed to continue walking this path because they're given a freeway. There are no roadblocks. Even if you call them out on their lies, it doesn't matter. They'll acknowledge it or they'll switch up the timeline to say, oh, you know, I was mistaken about when this happened or where this happened. And what I meant to say was this. And so they, they can change it up a little bit and make, them, make it look like it was an innocent mistake. The lie that they told was an innocent mistake. But all of this reminds me of one of my favorite movies, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Now, I'm just going to summarize this from the Wikipedia entry, but we know the movie starred Matt Damon, but it was based on a series of books by novelist Patricia Highsmith, and it concerns a career criminal, con artist, and ultimately, if you've seen the movie, spoiler alert, <laughs> ultimately, he's a serial killer. Thomas Ripley, a.k.a. Dickie Greenleaf, is, he's a serial killer. He kills people who gets in his way. He kills people who gets too close. He kills people who are asking questions, who are trying to figure it out, uh, figure out his scheme. And that's how he can move on to the next one, because he's killed the other people who knew what he was doing and who tried to stop him. But he kills them and he moves on. But so this series of books by novelist Patricia Highsmith concerns Thomas Ripley. Dickie Greenleaf was his alias, and he was a suave, convincing con artist who stayed one step ahead of authorities and his victims. He is a pathological liar who, li who lies about his childhood, his career, his education, his sexuality, and spends most of his time in leisure gardening, painting, studying languages, and using the good nature, goodwill, and good fortune of people he targets. He plays on their sympathy, essentially, but also their naivety and their want to be romanced by such a character. I mean, people love the attention they get from these characters, right? You know, they're, they're told that they're beautiful all the time or they're told that they're special. They're made to feel that they're special and unique and that they're the only one. And who doesn't want to feel like that? Who doesn't want to feel like that? 
but then you're finding that you're having to exchange receiving those compliments and that attention. You find that it comes at a price. You have to, you know, give them money or you have to give them trips or you have to buy them things. It's not that they're just sitting there and showering you with compliments and they're not taking anything from you. No, it's they're, they're expecting you to fund them, to fund their life. They're expecting you to take care of them. And this is this was uh, Thomas Ripley. This is what he did. He expected the people around him to take care of him and give him money so that he can travel, spend time on yachts and, and in mansions and, 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 in, and in foreign countries. He was in England. He was in Paris. He was all over the place. We take these people in. We feel sorry for them. We believe them, of course. We don't doubt them. We don't question them until there is a reason to, but by then they've moved on to their next scam. But, you know, these people are kind of sympathetic, right? They're a little, they've got kind of a hard luck story. Like George Santos has told this hard luck story, but all of it turns out to be lies. But it's the same with um, the talented Mr. Ripley. He tells this hard luck story about childhood was bad. Teenage years were bad. He's had to survive on bread and water and all this other shit. And so you feel sorry for him. Not only that, but he's kind of handsome. And so here's this guy who's cute and he has this hard luck story. Or he has a story of how he survived something like an illness or an accident. And you want him to win. Like the way the, the talented Mr. Ripley books are written is kind of like the author wants people to be on Dickie's side. She wants us to feel for him, to root for him to win. And I feel like that happens in, in our personal lives, but also George Santos is one of those people where you look at him and you just want him to win because he's the first. You know, he's, he's a young male Latino. He's, uh, he's gay. And you want people like that in Congress. You want the diversity in Congress. This is what you want. This is what we've been asking for from the GOP. We want the diversity. And so they go and they pick, I mean, just the most, <laughs> the most diverse. The only thing that would be more diverse is if he was black, right? For the GOP, at least. I mean, the Dems, we have people from all over. But this is what they wanted. And so they knew that they had they had to pick someone who people were going to root for to win this seat. Like this was an open seat that George Santos won. And so they knew they had to pick somebody who was young and spirited and had a good story and some, somebody that people would want to root for, somebody that people would find attractive. And this is what they got. Now, people didn't, like with Dickie Greenleaf, people ultimately did not do their due diligence. Because the fact that everything that's come out now, the fact that it did not come out during the election, during the midterm elections, it, it, it's baffling to me. It's baffling. Like, not only did his party drop the ball, but Democrats dropped the ball. Who did they have on research and development? Who did they have researching the opposing candidates? Did they get fucking Ask Jeeves? Probably Ask Jeeves would have done a better job. Probably my daughter would have done a better job. Anybody could have done a better job than what Dems did in researching and coming up with ways to undercut his campaign. Because there was so much. I mean, there's so much. But it's not just the lies that we should focus on because the lies are harmful. It's the behavior. It is the behavior of people like George Santos. It is the behavior of people like him that is very dangerous. And in some cases, it is indicative of a personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, dependent personality disorder. But it, those things are dangerous because people who are people who have those disorders, they can dispense with things like empathy, care, concern. They don't even like themselves. They don't even like themselves. They certainly don't like the people around them. They can't express love. Like, even if they express empathy, it's dark. It's, it's used to get closer, to get closer to a person so that they can ultimately get what they want, play on their sympathies to get what they want. 
So those characters are dangerous. You don't want to do business with them. You certainly don't want them in Congress. You don't want them as elected officials. I mean, their entire life is a scheme. Their entire life is a scam. It's a trick. It's a deception. So what do you think they're going to do when you hire them? They're going to continue it. And it's going to get even worse now because there's only one way to get rid of someone in Congress. There's an election every two years or the person resigns. So we would have to essentially wait until 2024 for people to vote him out if he doesn't resign. Which, I mean, I think he should resign. If he were a man worth his salt, he would resign. He wouldn't see all of these people calling for his resignation because of the lies he told about his background, about his, about his childhood, about his parents, about his grandparents. He wouldn't see people looking at that and criticizing him and go, well, I'm just being unfairly criticized. If he were a man worth his salt, if he had integrity, but he doesn't. So he sees every criticism of him as unfair, as something he just, another thing that I have to survive, another thing that's been heaped upon me unfairly. It's ridiculous. He acts like he's a victim of something. No, we're the victims. We're the ones who were tricked. You're not a victim, maybe of your own mind, but that's for you to deal with. So these people are insidious. People like George Santos and Dickie Greenleaf, these people are insidious and they don't lose. They don't. Even if they do, they've already got some other scheme lined up, some other scam ready to to ready for them to move on to that. So even if they lose, they don't really care because they've got another lick to hit. It's always something someone else, even if they lose people, they've got other people lined up waiting to support them and take them in and feel sorry for them. They are never without a scheme. They are never without a scam. They are never without the people to feed into their sometimes narcissism, to feed into, to feed their lies to. They're never without people to feed their lies to. They're never alone. They can't be alone. They need people. They need people to take advantage of. Like their shit doesn't work unless there are people around them to take from, unless there's an organization to take from, unless there's a position that they can, uh, they can use and abuse, unless there's, you know, a congressional seat, unless there's a seat on a board at a, at a corporation. They need people, they need things, they need places. But these people are not remorseful. They don't care what the cost of their behavior is. Getting away Getting their way is what is important. And of course, in our own modern day story with George Santos, this guy, and I hate to do, I hate to like say, well, this is what he said, and this is what he said, and this is what he said. Because sometimes when you focus on the, on the lies that people told, the specific lies, it just emboldens these people. It injects more energy into the person versus if you focused on the behavior, focused on why dishonest behavior is wrong and don't and and why it should change, and then focus on the honest behavior and why that's good. Because, and this is what pundits were saying last night, you cannot argue with a liar. You have to focus on what you can get through to them, what good you have that you can get through that you can argue for, but you can't argue with them because they don't take responsibility for their actions. They're not accountable for failures. They'll certainly take credit for successes, but they're not accountable for, fair, for, for failures. And they don't fight fair. They're not fair. But then they'll just make up excuses for why whatever you're saying is not true of course, in our own modern day story, George Santos is that guy. He had a challenging side, a challenging childhood, a mother allegedly lost to tragedy, grandparents who allegedly survived a tragedy, working his way allegedly through college. He, but he's youth, he's youthful and eager. 
And we want to see these types of people in government, like I said before. But mostly, we accept that in government and politics especially, that profession attracts a certain type of person. We essentially view all politicians as liars. And certainly a lot of them are. But a lot of non-politicians are liars too. Everybody is capable of lying. But there is a certain occupation that attracts these types, right? Politics. What else do we think of when we think of liars? Salespeople. We accept some level of lying from these people, some level of shenanigans in government, for instance. It's what they need to do to, to get bills passed, to get something passed into law. There has to be some amount of negotiating and give and take and wink, wink, nod, nod, nudge, nudge. There has to be some of that. There has to be a game that's played. We see all these TV shows like House of Cards. We see all the game playing and the lying that goes on in politics. And some of that is true. A lot of it is BS, but some of it is true. Some of it is dramatic license, but some of it is true. There's a lot of backroom deals. There's a lot of wheeling, dealing. We saw that with the speaker, the House speaker vote where people were sitting in the audience and they were basically had other members from their party getting in their face saying, you're going to do this, you're going to vote this way. And then you had uh, Kevin McCarthy having to concede things, that he was going to give up certain plans that he had so that he could be House Speaker. And this is what happens. But also when people are running for office, they say they're going to do all of these things or that they want to do all of these things. They want a clean house. They want to drain the swamp. They're going to curb spending. They're going to balance the budget. They're going to bring jobs to their region. They're going to do all of these wonderful things. They're going to clean up the environment. They're going to propel the U.S. into to be number one in technology in the world. And all of these things. And we're just kind of, we're hopeful. You know, we're hopeful. Like, we're, we're, we're a little, you know, well, maybe they'll get it done, maybe they won't. But we're so hopeful when we're voting. We want all of these things. Yes, we want this legislation passed. We want all of these things because we're tired of suffering. Or we want to make America great again. Or we, we see our neighborhoods suffering and our neighbors suffering and we're tired of it. And so we vote for these people. And the problem is when they get into government, they see how tough it is to get anything done. It's not, it's red tape, it's white tape, it's black tape, purple tape. It's really tough to get legislation passed. And it just is. And I mean, you could have the best leadership you've ever had. It, it's going to take as long as it's going to take. And you have to convince people from both parties. It can't just be one party. I mean, it can be. But it usually takes some bipartisanship. And it's hard to get. It's hard to get. But then it has to be issues that people care about. Like right now, what are people focused on? They're focused on the economy. They're focused on taxes. We're focused on the environment and infrastructure now. But we're also looking at inflation and people are complaining about the price of eggs and the price of Beyonce tickets and blah, 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 blah. We're thinking about money. We want more money in our pockets, less money going to government. But we also want the government to fix all of this shit that's wrong. So where do we think that money is going to come from? It's got to come from us, the taxpayers. So that's why we, we vote people in who, who say they're going to keep money in our pockets. But that's a lie. They can't keep money in our pockets. All of these projects that we want and all of these things we want to maintain, like Social Security and Medicare, that costs money. And that money comes from us. But still, we're not going to have any effective government if we keep inviting these losers and these liars to have seats at the table. <laughs> like, there's no reason that George Santos should still be in government. I know I said this already. He should not be there. But it was something like, what, 142,000, 143,000 people voted for him? And they believed him. They believed him. That was the, 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 the interesting part was that, you know, I've always, people have always asked me, I'm not even kidding. People ask me all the time why I don't run for political office. Oh, Yana, you would make a good judge or a good prosecutor or a good, 
uh, congressman, school board. And I'm like, no, I could never do it because I have a very shady past. (laughs) It's not shady like, oh, you're a criminal. No, but personally, I mean, I've been married and divorced a few times. I'm a single mother. I have a big mouth. (laughs) I have opinions about things that people might not find so delicate. And I mean, I cuss. You might hear it during this podcast. I do cuss a lot. And I'm not exactly the nicest person. And I hated going to law school, but I'm a lawyer. There are all these things about me that if somebody were to look at me as an ideal candidate, they would go, no, no. I don't think anybody would want to root for me. But you know what? If I made up some shit about myself, if I told some lies, if I stretched the truth a bit about myself, I probably could get into office. But I don't know. I don't know how to do. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to say I don't know how to lie. I Lying to me is very, it makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel uneasy. I cringe. I don't like lying. And, and I'm not saying that I don't do it again. I probably told some lies to my kids about some shit. I don't know. We couldn't go to Chuck E. Cheese because it was closed for the winter or some shit. But pathological lying is something different. Pathological lying, even compulsive lying, is not the same as you telling a lie every once in a while. Now, these are compulsive lying is you're compelled to. There's something in you that compels you to lie. But you, you feel some inner conflict. You feel some kind of way about the lies that you're telling, and it bothers you, but you just you can't stop doing it. Like, you can't stop gambling or doing drugs or drinking. Pathological is just that's the first thing out of your mouth is a lie. You immediately lie. Whenever you talk to somebody, you're lying about everything. You're lying about inconsequential things. You're lying about big things, small things. You lie about your past. You lie about your future. You lie about your job. You lie about your money. You're essentially never telling the truth. And yeah, a lot of people are like this. But... The difference between a lot of people who lie a lot is that they're not pathological about it. George Santos, and even some people in my life, (laughs) like, I mean, I recently dealt with someone who is, in my opinion, a pathological liar. Like, I could never pin him down about, you know, the truth about anything. And then... Like George Santos, you would confront this guy with the lie that he told and he would pretend like he had no idea what I was talking about. He had no idea. He doesn't remember saying this. He doesn't remember saying he was going to do this or go here or, or, or do this for me or, or whatever. He doesn't remember things that we were supposed to do together. And so I'm made to look like the fool, which is essentially gaslighting. Like, okay, you're saying this, but I don't remember saying that, so it must not be true. You must be making it up type of shit. And and George Santos kind of did the same thing. And and I was reading this article about him from Forbes magazine, and it has an outline of every lie that he's told that the media has been able to debunk. So and these are some of these are funny and some of these are sad. Like, dude, please seek help. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He claimed to be a producer on the musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Remember when Spider-Man was on Broadway? Awful. Terrible. If he was a producer on that, now I see why that shit stunk. But he wasn't. He wasn't a producer. (laughs) He claimed to be a model who would appear in Vogue and worked at New York Fashion Week. He claimed he attended the prestigious Hollywood heavy Met Gala and would commission pieces of art for a museum in New York. He claimed that he survived an assassination attempt. (laughs) Like, dude, what the fuck? He claimed that he was the victim of a mugging in 2021. He, uh, there was recently a video of him dressed in drag in Brazil, having a good old time. He denied that it was him at first. 
He said, no, that's not me. That's not me. <laughs> it was so clearly him. And then he goes, oh, well, yeah, I was just a kid and I was having a fun time. Now, if you want to dress in drag and go have a party and do your thing, that's your business. Okay? Nobody's faulting you. But if somebody asks you because they see it and you tell them no, what are we supposed to make of that? Are you trying to hide the fact that you enjoy doing this? You feel like you're going to be ostracized? How? Have you seen the clowns <laughs> and the weirdos who are in Congress, who are in government? They would probably find that refreshing. You know? He said that his mother was in the South Tower on 9-11 and that she survived 9-11, but that she later succumbed to cancer. But on her green card application in 2003, she stated that she had not been in the U.S. since 1999. So there was no way she was in the South Tower on 9-11. She wasn't even in the country on 9-11. He claimed that he made 750000 uh, he claimed that he made a $750,000 salary and up to $10 million in dividends from 2021 to 2022 through a company he founded in 2021 called Devolder Organization. Devolder is one of his names. He, is, he was known as, in college, Anthony Devolder. But then he... Um, started going by George Santos when he was running for office. So he's George Anthony DeVolder Santos. Listen, you can call yourself fucking King of Siam. But if you're out here using your aliases to scam people, that's something all, that's something different. That's something different. But even though he said he made $750,000 and up to $10 million in dividends, when he reported this, his income to Congress, to Congress when he was running for office, you know, you have to disclose your earnings. He said he made only $55,000. That's a lot less than 750,000. <laughs> so either he's lying or he's lying. He reported, he did not, he also did not report that he received payments as recently as April, 2021 from a Florida based financial services company he used to work for called Harbor City Capital, which the SEC called a Ponzi scheme, and I believe that entirely. He claimed to make money at DeVolder by brokering luxury purchases like a $20 million yacht for wealthy clients. But he refused to provide names. <laughs> so again, either he's lying or he's lying. He claimed that he owned a $1 million apartment in Brazil and that his family owned 13 real estate properties, but later denied that. And at the time of his campaign, he was living with his sister in an apartment in Queens. Okay, again, if that's what you have, if that's where you are, if that's what you're doing, that's what the fuck you're doing. Why are you lying? Why are you lying? You're trying to make yourself seem more important, seem like you have more than what you have. There are plenty of people in Congress who, at the time they ran for Congress, they weren't doing shit. They were uh, working at a nonprofit, living with their parents. They were dads working in law firms, moms working in, at law firms. There are people who were doctors, people who were just living their lives, doing their thing, who decided, hey, I want to run for office. But this dude is like, no, I'm going to be the author. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the consummate candidate. I'm going to have, I'm going to pretend like I have millions of dollars. I'm going to be Bruce Wayne when I go in there. You're not Bruce Wayne, honey. You're not even Alfred the butler. His campaign sought donations through a group that does not exist, apparently. Not surprised there. As he's also been accused of using bogus businesses to funnel money to his campaign. He inflated his resume, claiming he attended the Horace Mann prep school before graduating another school with a high GPA, of course, and high standardized test scores. Then later, much later, when it was too late to do anything about it, 
he had admitted that he never graduated from college. And the college he claimed to attend had no record of his enrollment. Again, it's okay if you didn't graduate from college, dude. Having a college degree is not a prerequisite for running for Congress. Again, all of this shit he did not have to lie about. He did anyway. And this is what I've experienced in my own life. People lie about things they do not have to lie about because who the fuck cares? You just want to impress people. You just want to get people on your side. You just want to seem like a king among paupers. You want people to admire you, shower you with praise and compliments. That's all it's about. Because all of this shit that he did, that Santos lied about, I mean, it's easily verifiable. Anybody could have found this out, and they did eventually, because they had reason to look. But back when he was running his campaign, I guess they really didn't have reason to look. People just took his word for it. And he had all of these people vouching for him and his party. And so nobody really thought, hey, maybe we should do a background check on our candidates. But you know what? I remember this from long ago. Like candidates would, be, would get knocked out of the race for failing to pay taxes, like taxes on their nanny or, or whatever. So how this, how we just decided, hey, you know, we're just going to, but I, I can understand in the part of New York that he ran in, in Nassau, Nassau County, Dems weren't spending a lot of money up there. Dems know where to put their money. Not always in the best place. Sometimes it's up their ass. But they didn't put enough money into this campaign that his opponent was running. And so this is what we got. He also claimed to have a career on Wall Street working for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. He claimed to have, and this is really deplorable, just absolutely despicable and sad. He claimed to have an animal rescue charity that set up a GoFundMe campaign for an unhoused veteran whose dog needed life-saving surgery. And I saw this story on the news. They um, interviewed the veteran, and this man is crying about his dog because his, his dog, I mean, that was his companion. That was his family. He needed that dog for emo emotional support. But the dog was sick and needed surgery. And so he reached out to George or maybe George. I don't know if George reached out to him or he reached out to the animal rescue charity for assistance. And they set up this GoFundMe allegedly to raise funds for the dog to have surgery. But George Santos absconded with the money. And the dog died waiting for the surgery. It was very sad. Very sad. I think it was something like a little over $3,000, I think, was collected and that he was supposed to turn over to the guy. But he took the money and ran. Still no answer from him. Oh, I think what he said was, that's not what happened. <laughs> like, oh, okay, well, he said that's not what happened. So I guess we're all wrong. But the dog never received the surgery because the money was never paid for the dog to have the surgery. The veteran never received it, and he is without a dog. So perhaps you're lying, George. Could could we say that perhaps you're not telling the truth? Perhaps you're bending, you're stretching, you're breaking the truth. You're actually not telling the truth because you're incapable of telling the truth. You're lying to people. And now you're having animals killed because you're a liar? When does it stop? When does it end? Apparently, it does not end because he also claimed to be hospitalized with COVID-19, which was complicated by a history of a brain tumor. He also claimed to have ties to the Pulse nightclub shooting in Florida, saying that he lost four employees in the shooting when really, he, he later clarified, well, no, they didn't work for me. I was about to hire them. I was about to hire these four people, and then they were murdered. I mean, anybody could say that. Like, I, maybe I was about to hire uh, Michael Jackson to write some jingles for me. But then he died. Aw. I mean, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's. 
unfathomable. Like it takes your breath away. It takes your breath. And this is the problem that I've been having recently when I've been thinking back on all of the lies that I were was told by um by my former significant other. The lies, the number of lies, the breath of it, the it just it's it's almost like you're in a cartoon or <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like your life is a fucking sitcom, you know? And all of this shit is just lines that you're running. All of this is animated. All of this is is not really happening. You're hearing all of these things and you're thinking about it. And I was just, I was like going through a mental checklist, thinking about all of these lies. I'm like, oh my God, this person doesn't even actually exist. And I said that, I said that um, to my therapist, I said, I love someone for four years who does not exist. Just like the people of Nassau County <laughs> elected uh, a congressman, George Santos, who does not exist. George Santos, as he presented himself, does not exist. The dude who was in Congress, that he doesn't exist. Whoever that guy is, we have no idea. So many lies. He told so many lies about his background, his childhood, his college years, his his career on Wall Street or whatever the fuck he was doing. Hudson around probably somewhere. He told so many lies that you don't know who the real person is. And that is perhaps the point. They don't want you to know. Pathological liars essentially do not want you to know who they really are because they don't even know who they really are. They don't know who they are. They don't stand for anything. They don't love themselves. They do no self-reflection. They just lie. And they sleep with the lies. They get up with the lies. They go to bed with the lies. But they are the consummate everything. They're the ideal everything. They're the ideal man or woman. They're the ideal partner. They're the ideal candidate for office. They want to be the ideal. They want to have this hard luck story, but then they want to show you that they rose from the ashes to be this fucking golden calf, right? And so they're going to tell you whatever you want to hear, but also they're going to tell you things that you didn't want to hear. You didn't want to know. You didn't even care about. They didn't even have to say that. (laughs) I want to say this when people lie. I'm like, you didn't even have to lie about that. Nobody gives a fuck. But here we are. So, <laughs> and the all the articles that I was reading on pathological lying, a lot of the psychologists were saying the same thing, that you shouldn't focus on the lie. You should focus on the behavior. And I'm like, screw that shit. He lied about his grandparents surviving the Holocaust. Who lies about that except a very sick person? And that's why I say you have to focus on the lies because the lies reflect the level of their psychopathy. That you would lie about your grandparents surviving something so terrible, horrible, absolutely inhumane to get ahead, to get a leg up, to get more votes in a race, you're a dangerous person. You are a dangerous person. You're certainly not a person who should be making important decisions for anyone. I mean, you can't even be trusted to sit bare ass on cold concrete. Certainly, you shouldn't be trusted to vote on legislation, to vote on committee assignments like he gave a, a speech when the GOP wanted to remove Ilhan, Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota from the Foreign Affairs Committee. He implied in his speech that she's an anti-Semite because she's not pro-Israel. Well, dude, you ain't pro-Israel either. You're pro-yourself. Maybe you hate Jewish people too. How would we even know? You don't tell the truth about anything. But you are certainly going to point out what you believe is a deficiency in other people. 
when you will not point out your own. You won't acknowledge your own. You'll just make up another lie to cover up the lie that you already told or say someone is mistaken or that you were mistaken. You can't even be honest about who you are. So how do we know that you're not an anti-Semite? How do we know that you're not racist? How do we know that you're not a murderer, a serial killer? How do we know? We don't know who you really are. We don't know what you've really done. You've covered up everything that is you, that is really you, with these stories, these lies. And then when you're confronted, you play the victim. You play the harrowing, oh, they've accused me of something so terrible. How could they? I'm just a young lad who had to sweep the chimneys of Brooklyn when I was a child and I've survived so much. Did you hear my grandparents were in the Holocaust and these people? Oh, they won't leave me alone. Oh. Today on, today as in Thursday, no, as in Wednesday, rather, he tweeted out to Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney, you'll never be president. As if to say, number one, that we care or that he cares or that that's somehow a retort to him saying you don't belong in Congress because you're a lying sack of shit. Like, that's your only comeback? You'll never be president. Guess what? You won't either. And when the re-election comes around, you're not even going to be in Congress. You're going to be just a bad memory. And yeah, you will be a bad memory. Because people are going to look at this. Look at what they've done. Look at what we've done. Well, not me, because I ain't vote for them. I ain't vote for them. But look at what the people did. Look at what the people of his county did, of his, of his district. Look at what they did. Let this never happen again. I know it's going to happen again because we forget. Like, why am I even talking about this? Because people forget. Americans have very short memories when it comes to politics and elections. And we keep electing the same saggy neck, wrinkled old white men to these offices, the same misogynistic, sexist, racist, bigoted people to office because we forget the horrible shit that they've done, the horrible things that they've said, their deficiencies, their errors. We forget. We forget. Because something new comes along, some new adventure that our brain wants to participate in. We don't remember. And so one of these days, this is going to come up again, and you guys are going to have to go back into the annals of the Ayana Explains It All episodes and find this episode on George Santos and Pathological Liars and listen to it and remember what we already went through. We went through this. We talked about this so that we do not do this again. I can't even believe that I'm sitting here talking about this. I can't believe that I would ever see this in my own government. I mean, I've seen it in my life plenty of times. But the fact that over a hundred thousand people and even people from the Democratic Party did not do their due diligence and allowed this dangerous person into Congress, even calling for his resignation, whoop-de-doo, big deal. Now he's Now he gets to be the embattled congressman. Embattled. Don't use romantic language when you talk about these people. Don't use romantic language when you describe these people. Call them what they are. He's a lying piece of shit. And maybe you can't put that in print. Maybe you can't put that in Forbes magazine. Because, you know, that's real journalism. You can't say lying piece of shit. (laughs) You can do it on a podcast. But you can't print that in Times Magazine. But I can say it here. Don't romanticize these people. Don't do it. Pathological liars are happy to lie. Happy. And they always have an excuse for their inexcusable behavior. So don't romanticize them. They are dangerous. They are dangerous. A lot of them are psychotic. They lie for absolutely no reason. 
And like I said, about big things and little things, they are tricksters. They are able to lie in all circumstances just to see what they could get away with. And they get away with a lot, publicly and privately. And because they paint themselves to be a victim in a story, again, the romantic, harrowing victim, the embattled victim, they also believe themselves to be above reproach. Pathological liars are happy to lie and always have an excuse for their inexcusable behavior. Remember that. They are happy to lie. It does not bother them. It does not make them sad. They don't feel any internal conflict. They probably get excited by it, honestly. But you can't, you can't take anything they say at face value because their first response to any question you ask them is a lie. They immediately lie, and then they act naively or baffled when cornered about their false statements. And, you know, I just admitted that I was the victim of a pathological liar. I mean, I got played. I did. I, because I don't know how to recognize, because I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm sorry to break it to you. <laughs> good people are not really able to recognize when they're being played, when they're being tricked. Because it doesn't occur to us that somebody could be that evil and that cruel. Even though we've seen cruelty, we don't believe that that is something that would touch us. Because we're good people. But it does. This kind of evil, I mean, it transcends bad people, good people, children, men, women. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. This type of evil, this cruelty, this psychopathy, it can touch you. And you have to be careful. I'm not saying you have to question everything. You have to be skeptical about everything and everybody. No, I'm saying sometimes shit is too good to be true. And when it's too good to be true, you need to ask why. It's usually because somebody's lying about who they are and what they are and what they can do for you. It's like with, with sales, if an offer seems too good to be true on a, on a car or hell on a vacuum, that's because there are some hidden costs, some hidden fees. There's something about the product that you don't know. Maybe the product is actually shit. And so they're playing it up because they have to sell a thousand of these a month. And you're going to be one of their lucky victims. <laughs> You're going to be one of the ones to buy it. People who are dishonest, people who cheat and lie in their romantic relationships, for instance, they're going to do so in their business relationships. Now, George Santos, I know he was married to a woman for a couple years. I, don't, I haven't seen anything, any interviews about her, about things that he told her, but I, I can't imagine that it was a fun time with him. Not, be, not because he's gay. Your sexuality is something apart from this other shit, you know? You could be gay and black and have a white mother and be perfectly fine, or you could be gay and black and have a white mother and be a fucking lying piece of shit. Like, one has nothing to do with the other. They have nothing to do with each other. So anybody who, who says that he's being, George Santos is being attacked because he's gay, there could very well be people attacking him because he is gay. But my criticism of him and his position is because he's lied. He's a pathological liar. And those types of people, pathological liars, are very dangerous people. It takes very little for them to decide that someone shouldn't exist because they are in the way of their scheme. And you, you might think that I'm exaggerating. No. Pathological lying is a symptom of antisocial personality disorder. And antisocial personality disorder is the hallmark of who? Murderers, burglars, thieves, white-collar criminals. They act for self. Everything they do is for themselves. They kill to take advantage of people. They kill to get away with things. They steal they do anything to their advantage. They take from people. Take millions like Bernie Madoff, taking millions, hundreds of millions and millions of dollars from people. For what? To enrich himself. 
showed no remorse, didn't care that he had wiped out people's life savings through his Ponzi scheme. So, yeah, George Santos needs to go. But we also need to hold people accountable in our personal lives. In our personal lives for the schemes and the scams and the failures from their dishonest behavior. Because certainly they would take credit for, and we would give it to them for the successes. So why not hold them accountable for the failures that come from their lies and their schemes? Why not? Why not hold these people accountable? Why not say, okay, I, I, I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm not going any further, further with you. You're in a marriage with this person. You're living with them. Or, hell, they could be your parent. They could be your friend, your best friend. They could be your boss. They could be your business partner. At some point, you have to think of yourself and your safety and the safety of, us, I mean, your, your bank account, really, because these types also will take your money. And they don't care. They don't care. They don't care what you were saving it for, what you needed it for. They, they don't pay their debts. And so you're best, you're wise to not even get involved with them when you recognize that this is what's happening. Not, not only do you call them out, but you separate yourself from them. People who are known liars, people who have a reputation for lying or being dishonest, they lie to impress people, lie to bolster their reputation. They lie to garner sympathy. You're not going to get around them. You're not going to be smarter than them. You're not going to outsmart them. They're smarter than you. They don't run on empathy. They don't run on remorse. So they'll do absolutely anything to get what they want. So you're never going to, the only way for these people to unlearn this is through intense therapy. Intense therapy. Because a lot of this behavior starts in childhood and adolescence. It's nature, it's nurture, it's, it's genetics, but it's also their environment. And again, some will say just ignore them and let the processes play out. But you need to know the type of people you have sitting on your council. Who, who do you have sitting in your Congress? Who do you have sitting in your Senate? Who's, who's in the White House? Who's sitting on these corporations, these boards of these corporations, setting prices for the goods that you buy? There are certain things that push, and it could be hard to know how to deal with them. And it can be hard to know how to deal with them. You could do like me, well, I mean, be better than me. <laughs> I, confront, I confront people about their lies. I do. And that's not always the best course of action because, again, they're dangerous. You don't know what the fuck they're going to do to you. You don't know if they're going to talented Mr. Ripley you. <laughs> and people, yeah, people are typically afraid to confront others about their lies, but I am not one of those people. But the best way to deal with a liar, in my opinion, is to call out the dishonest behavior. Don't seek to understand it. Call it out. Cut ties with people who are doing this. And again, this is people who are known liars, who have a reputation for lying. I'm not talking about somebody who just every once in a while stretches the truth. They exaggerate. Exaggerating is not the same as pathological lying or, or even compulsive lying. Exaggerating is exaggerating. You're stretching the truth. You're making the truth seem like more than what it is. But people who every time you talk to them, every time they open their mouth, they're lying to you. These are the people you do not need to associate with. Do not ignore it, but also don't seek to understand it really because there is no understanding it and they're not going to change. So why are you trying to understand it? Why are you trying to reason with them? Why are you trying to reason with yourself about being with them? about voting for them, about having them around you, don't do it. But this is where we are. This is what we're left with, having to clean up the mess, pick up the pieces from the mistakes that we made. You know, sometimes we vote for the wrong people. Sometimes we love the wrong people. Sometimes we have the wrong people in our circle. We have the wrong people around us, people we shouldn't trust, but we do anyway. And once we find out that this, that the caper is afoot, 
we got to let go. We got to let go and move on. We have to make better choices. We have to be better, do better for ourselves. And this has been Ayana Explains It All, brought to you by Facts, Figures, and Enlightenment. Take care. <laughs>